I'll begin by showing you a picture of a young man who was once your age. He was your age. Wow. And this was the picture of him when he was ordained. Notice how you all went, wow. Because, why? Because it's hard for you to believe that I once was young. (laughs) (laughs) And it's hard for me to believe that now I'm old. (laughs) But as I am now, so will you be. And as you were once, so was I. Sit down. In a few months, I will be 85 years old. Maybe none of you in this room will live to be as old as I am now. The insurance companies will bet money on it that you are not going to live that long. I only have two classmates still alive. And neither one of them would have the health, the stamina, or the ability to travel around Europe as I did this year. God has given me great gifts. The greatest of all the gifts that he's given me is the gift of priesthood. That gift is the cause of my joy, the source of my joy. The picture you saw of the young man who was, how old are, what's the average age here? What? 20. 20? The young man you saw who was maybe 21, 22, when he was a child, he began praying that he might someday be a priest. There was within my heart a, a call. That call is in the majority of your hearts today. That call is saying, come follow me. Participate in my priesthood, my life. It's a call that you must clearly discern, but it's a call that you must constantly ask to be given. I was told that automatically you reflect on today's gospel, on the Sunday gospel. Is that correct? All of you reflected on the Sunday's gospel? Mm -hmm. Who didn't read the Sunday's gospel? Well, do you know what the Sunday's gospel is? Now, 
Do you know what it is going to be today, or still not? About the Our Father? Yes. So, in your reflection on today's Gospel, did anything strike you as, this doesn't make sense, why is this here? Has anybody come up with any reflection on the Gospel from beginning to end that says something to you that raises a red flag. Like, well, why why this subject? Anybody? Can you make a comment about it? The Gospel of Luke, what? I, I asked myself about this. Stand up and come up here so we can hear you clearly, the question, so it will be recorded. What's the question? I asked myself why we ask the Father to forgive, to forgive our trespasses in the same way that we forgive those who trespass. Well, that's a good question. It's not what I was getting at, but to answer that question is because Jesus said, we will receive forgiveness only in the proportion that we are forgiving and loving which is a very, very important lesson that if I do not forgive someone for their transgression, for their hurting, for example, most of the time we forgive everybody if they make a mistake, if they break a promise. What is the hardest thing to forgive? If someone hurts us, that's always the most difficult thing to forgive because it affects our very ego. It affects our pride. We don't like to be hurt. We don't like to be deceived. And so that pain, that hurt, is very difficult to forgive but it's not a question of difficulty. It's a question of necessity. We must be willing to forgive everything. But the things we have to forgive even more are the things that hurt us the most. Because that's when we love like Christ loves us. Do you think that Christ isn't hurt when we commit serious sin? Do you think that Christ isn't hurt when people ignore him and persecute him and treat him like he doesn't exist? Of course he's hurt by that. In his human nature, he still suffers that. But what about his mercy? Does it extend to them? Is he forgiving them? Is he still loving them? Absolutely. Our very, ex the earth's existence is proof of his love. But what I wanted to stress in the gospel this morning, what I wanted you to pay attention to, was the ending of that gospel. Could somebody read the last lines in today's gospel? Anybody have it there? It's very important. 
because only in Luke does it end in this way. First of all, what is what uh, what are the some of after the Our Father? What are some of the things that then Jesus begins talking about? Do you remember? Uh, Wait, what? What? Who asks for him will be given? What did he talk? Yeah, he talks about asking and being given. What examples did he give? Here, come here. So we can hear you. What examples did he give? Uh, that when the son asks, asks to his, fa- uh, his father for um, fish, he, he won't give him a uh, stone, s- uh, scorpion, and yeah. with bread. And right. And what other example? Any other? So what's the ending of the gospel? Read the ending. Stand up here and read the ending out loud. That's Luke 11. What's the last line of Luke 11? Number what? Luke 11, and what's the last line? Number 13? Is that correct? Does it end with 13? Um, Yes. If you then who who are evil know how to give your children what is good, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Okay, what number is that? 13. What a coincidence that in your Constitution, what does your... Does anybody have a copy of the Constitution? I do, here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, here, come here and, and read it. Let's see. This is this your constitution? Right. Okay, read number thirteen, find it. Does anybody know what number 13 is by heart? No? You haven't reached number 13 yet. (laughs) What number are you on? Do you study the Constitution? Or not yet? You do? How often? But we don't learn it by heart. Pardon? We don't learn it by heart. When do you learn it, though? Even by, by, by reading it. When? Uh, we have, uh, next, time. next semester? <laughs> every, every two weeks we read a number and we talk about it. Really? Yeah. What's the last thing you talked about? Uh, poverty. 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 Uh, we, we talked already about the Holy Spirit in number 13. Really? What, that is number 13. Have you found it yet? Um, yes. You have? Read no, it out read. loud. The Holy Spirit, consoler and delightful guest of the soul, is the craftsman of our transformation to Christ, and he sustains us in the mission of building up the kingdom. Therefore, legionaries should foster and imitate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Wait, read that slowly, that line. Therefore, therefore, legionaries should foster an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. They should pray for his gifts and for an 
increase in the theological virtues. They should be docile to his inspirations in order to walk the path of God's will faithfully. So, let us consider that statement should foster an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. The greatest event that happened to me in my life after priesthood was coming into the consciousness that I should seek life in the spirit. This was a spiritual moment in my life that occurred when I was a priest about 18 years. Then, at that moment, through praying and reading, and continuing to develop an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, I began to strive to live my life guided and directed by the Holy Spirit. Exactly what number 13 is asking you to do. To be docile to his inspirations in order to walk the path of God's will faithfully. You'll never know God's will unless the Holy Spirit enlightens you. I have known the Legion for 30 years. Before this constitution and your old constitution, there was no mention of the Holy Spirit so profoundly as here. Because there existed, and in some minds it might still exist, a misconception, a confusion, that to be totally guided and lifted up and moved by the Holy Spirit, then you have to be charismatic. I do not belong to any charismatic movement. I do not belong to any charismatic uh, prayer groups. But I live life in the Spirit. The charismatic prayer groups are beautiful because everything is beautiful when people pray together. So that's great. But that doesn't define who the Holy Spirit is or how you receive the Holy Spirit. And the charisms, the gifts, are not limited to that group. Christ always laid hands on a person when he healed them. If you pay attention to the Gospels when Christ is working a miracle, his hands and his eyes and his body was involved in that miracle. He didn't act like some magician and just look at the person and say, okay, 
be healed. He drew the person into conversation. He drew the person into intimacy. One of the most beautiful incidents of a healing was the woman who crawled on the floor to touch the garments of Jesus. And then when she touched his garments, Jesus exclaimed something. Did he see the woman? No. But what did he yell out? Do any of you know what he yelled out when she touched his garments? What did he yell out? Who was touching me? What did he yell out? Who was touching me? How did he perceive that someone was touching him? Because he felt the, like the force. He the felt force power, le power leaving him. That was the power of the Holy Spirit, the healing power of the Holy Spirit, healing that woman of her hem hemorrhages. That was the power that he felt going through him. Do we say Jesus is a charismatic? Do we ever call him a charismatic? No. I've never heard anybody call Jesus a charismatic. I've never seen anything in the gospel saying Jesus was charismatic. But Jesus never uttered a word. Jesus never walked a step without being enlightened and guided by the Holy Spirit. Because why? How was he incarnated? How was he incarnated? By the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is not a pizza pie. You have devotion to the Father, I have devotion to the Son, he has devotion to the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is one. We must never forget that. So, if we are going to live life in Christ, we're living in the Trinity. And that Trinity is animated with love and power by the force and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Every one of you must seek life in the Spirit. But you have to have a clear understanding of the difficulty, not only of the importance of it, but the difficulty of it. I'll speak to you briefly of the difficulty. The difficulty is that to live life in the spirit means to surrender your will, your desires, and to turn yourself over to being led by the Spirit.
I'm here today talking to you. When I was still praying about my trip to Europe, I had no definite plan of where it would end. I had no ticket to go back home. Because I was waiting for guidance from the Holy Spirit. But I did have a desire. I had a desire to go to Poland, to Krakow. And from there, I had a desire to go to France, to your beautiful place in Marie, sur in France. And from there, to travel with a legionary friend of mine who had permission to travel with me to Lourdes. I wanted to go back to Lourdes because it's my favorite shrine in the world. Because why? When I was studying for the priesthood, the bishop sent me to Louvain. That's in how I lived in Europe for four years. We were not allowed to go home not even for four days. Sometimes you complain you can't go home for four days. I couldn't go home for four years. So, but during that time, I was given the freedom during the summer to travel. And the first vacation went directly to Lourdes. And we had to travel two by two. We were not allowed to travel alone. Only... Those days, the excitement of traveling was beautiful. There weren't a lot of cars on the road, and I traveled to Lourdes on a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> I sat on the back of it. <laughs> so, Lourdes is a favorite place of mine. I wanted to go there. Now that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> But I kept praying daily for God's will to be shown to me. It took him a while, and that's another thing. When you pray to the Holy Spirit, you have to be patient. You have to have a quiet spot in your heart and life to hear the Word of God and to make sure it's the word of God and not the desire of your heart. The word of God finally came to me. You're not going to France. You're going to, where am I? <laughs> <laughs> I always say I'm, I'm just at the novitiate, but what place am I at? Here, say it a lot clearly. Spell it. So it sounds like Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> come, come and spell it here. Spell it. Spell it. A L Z G E R N. So here I am, there in Germany, with you now today. At this moment, I am doing the will of God. At this moment, I'm experiencing joy. 
But do I have joy other moments? Do I strike you as somebody joyous? Yes, yes. <laughs> as somebody very joyous? Yes. Yes. Why? Because joy is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Blessed Mother was full of joy. Jesus was full of joy. People were attracted to his spirit of joy. Children loved him because of his spirit of joy. You can't have life in the spirit and not have joy. There are times you are sad, but sadness, today it's mentioned in, in the breviary, there's a sadness that comes from the world, and there's a sadness that comes from God. The sadness that comes from the world leads you to depression, to dis despair. The sadness that comes from God occasionally because of the loss of a loved one from death or some tragedy, that sadness that comes from God can be experienced in your life, but then you take that sadness and you unite it to the sufferings of Christ and it becomes a power for you. It becomes joined to his sufferings, which, what did the sufferings of Christ do? They saved the world. They converted the world from sin and death and opened up the gates of heaven. That was the gift of the sufferings of Christ. And every time we suffer something in union with the suffering of Christ on the cross, we're putting a drop of water in God's ocean of mercy. And that mercy flows back to convert sinners. People say, my brother doesn't go to church, my sister doesn't go to church. I would like her to pray to go to heaven. Pray you go to heaven. She go to church. If you want to bring someone back to the faith, you suffer with Jesus. Whatever sufferings come into your life. That is how you tap into the power of God's suffering on the cross. And you know about that because you've all been told previously by me the importance of reading The Simple Path to Union that you can download for free. And that book also gives you the path to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, which every legionary should be devoted to. But the Sacred Heart doesn't want us to just stand and gawk at him. The Sacred Heart is calling us to enter into his heart. And that is the meaning of the word intimacy. Entering into the heart of the other. And when your constitution, number 13, speaks of intimacy, it's speaking of entering into the heart of Jesus, into the soul of Jesus. That's the intimacy that God wants for you. 
That's the intimacy that comes from life in the Holy Spirit. That's why in today's gospel, Jesus says, how much more will God the Father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him? You don't need to think you're not going to get it. The only thing is you need to be willing to live it. That's putting to death your ego. That's putting to death the pride that exists in us to think our way is better than God's way. Did you ever hear of a singer called Frank Sinatra? Yeah. Yes? What song did he make famous about way? What's sing it out loud? I did it my way. Frank Sinatra was a Catholic. Thank God, before he died, he came to realize that the way you got to do it is Jesus's way. When you do it my way, it leads to sin. When you do it Jesus's way, it leads to heaven. And that way is the way of life in the Spirit. When we conclude this Sunday talk, I'll give you a list of books. I'll show you a list of books that eventually in your lifetime, because you can't absorb them all in one year, one, year, one month, they're books that I read and reread to guide and direct my life in the Spirit. I don't know everything there is to know about life in the Spirit. Because you can't confine the Holy Spirit to a book of knowledge. We can't know the essence of God. But we can learn from his, from the saints and those who have communicated very intimately with him and have written for us their experiences. We can learn how to foster and encourage and develop that relationship that number 13 talks to you about, developing a relationship Over the past two weeks that I've been with you, we have developed a relationship, correct? Through conversation, through fun, through eating, through sharing, that kind of relationship brings us to joy and intimacy. We feel that we can touch the other with our words and with our heart. That's intimacy. When we look with our eyes at someone, that's intimacy. That is the intimacy that we need to bring to the Blessed Sacrament, to the Eucharist. 
I always feel a great joy, a great peace. When I walk into the chapel and you have adoration. It's, it's, it's like walking into heaven. Because I know God is there. I know his mother is there. God is never anywhere without his mother. He'd be lost without her. (laughs) (laughs) So, try to grasp the importance of number 13. Read it and search for the in-depth profoundness of it. That number 13 appearing in your constitution was one of the biggest signs that your constitution was given to you by a loving God the Father. And the community that I belong to, Love Crucified, is especially, it was called into existence in 2007, not by me, but by two very holy people who work together to respond to God's desire that the community of love crucified would be called into being. And it was specifically given to them through word of the Holy Spirit that we should pray and direct our attention in a special way to the Legion. Now, I knew and loved the Legion for 30 years, but I am only a member of the Love Crucified community for six years. And is it just a coincidence that God brought me into a community that he wanted, formed, specifically, praying for the legionaries of Christ. You see, you're all familiar with the picture, Our Lady of Knots. But I want you to put another picture in your mind. That the Holy Spirit could be called the Holy Spirit of dots, not knots. Dots, D-O-T-S. Because everything that happens in your life is a dot connected to another dot, guided by the Holy Spirit. The beauty of being old, having a good memory and a good mind that God has given me as a gift, is that I can look back on my life and see how the Holy Spirit in God's love for me was leading me day by day, was answering my prayers. Every day I prayed to be a priest. He answered that prayer. Every day I prayed for the gift, for the guidance and direction of the Holy Spirit. The gifts 
that come from the Holy Spirit are given to you accordingly as the Spirit decides you need them. I don't go to the Lord like you go to a candy store and pick out candy and say, I would like a gift of healing today. I would like a gift of discernment today. No. If I pray over somebody and they're never healed, it's the way God wants it. It's his will. But if I pray over somebody and they're healed, it's the gift of healing is a gift given for them. So I'm not a priest, a healing priest. The most beautiful gift that I've sensed from the Holy Spirit and that I attribute also to my knowledge of the diary of Sister Faustina is God, the Holy Spirit has given me the gift that Jesus promised to his priest in, in the diary of Sister Faustina. He tells Sister Faustina to write down that priests who are devoted to his mercy, that priests who are knowledgeable about his mercy and preach about his mercy, will be given the gift to touch the most hardened sinners and to bring them to Jesus. I've had the most amazing experiences of speaking to someone who's been away from the church 30, 40 years. And in one conversation, the next thing they'll be confessing their sins. It, it happens to me in the most unusual circumstances. Last Easter Sunday, I went from Miami to Cancun to participate in the Legion with the Legion and some activities. And they arranged for a driver to pick me up at the airport to bring me to the spot where all the legionaries were going to gather with coming back from their missions. You know about Mission Week, right? Mm -hmm. And this driver picked me up at the airport. We somehow connected through our cell phones. And we got in the car. The distance from where we had to go to was maybe 15, 18 minutes. And in those 15 and 18 minutes, speaking with this person, I found out that even though they're very friendly with legionnaires, very friendly with good holy people in that area, and even though their friends could count on them to pick me up at the airport and bring me to the Mass, and after to wait for me after the Mass and take me where I was going, I found out this person hadn't been to confession for years and wasn't going to church and was away from the church. 
By the time we got to the parking lot, they were confessing. They received communion at that Mass. Was it me? Or was it the Holy Spirit giving me the gift that Jesus talked to Sister Faustina that he would give to his priest? What made me bring up the things I did that led the conversation to the point where I could bring her into confession. You see, the beauty and the mystery of how God works, when you are attentive and open to being directed. If I had my agenda, if I had my mind closed to and, and just treated the driver as a driver and didn't get engaged in conversation, it could never have happened. Each person that comes into our lives is there because the Holy Spirit is putting that person into our lives. That's why we have to be attentive with our mind, our heart, and our whole being. We have to become living hosts to others. They have to see Jesus in us. That's why I'm so excited for all of you who feel a vocation, who feel a calling to God to be a priest. Because if if that's your calling and you respond, your life will be a very joyful, happy life. Now, everyone has to seek life in the Spirit whether they're priests or not, but especially priests and especially legionnaires because it's number 13 in your constitution. And I think there's some other numbers that speak about the Holy Spirit. And if you eventually someday get the time to read the constitution of Regnum Christi, you'll be even more amazed how much the consecrated men and women are into life in the Holy Spirit. They're light years ahead of you, both in maturity and intellect. And they even look better than you. (laughs) God bless you. You'll always be in my prayers. And I know that I'm in yours. Because I know you have to pray for benefactors. So that's why why I bribe you with a magnum. (laughs) Let us conclude thanking God for the gift of his love and the gift of the Legion. By praying to his blessed mother. Everyone in this room has done the 33-day consecration. Raise your hand. How many didn't? The 33-day consecration to Mary. Who didn't? We'll we'll get you after this. (laughs) We'll put you against the wall and instruct you how to do it, okay? Who needs instructions? Raise your hand. Who needs instructions? Okay. We'll make sure that you get it. 
because once you consecrate yourself to Mary, it, it, it's a beautiful gift that you give yourself. And it's very simple. That's why it's called the 33-day consecration, as taught by Louis de Montfort. And most legionaries do it. Automatically, they do it, because Mary brought you here. You know that. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sins, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.